This is a unique podcast exploring the criminal justice system and those involved and affected. We'll educate and expose the public as well as potential jurors to what takes place behind the scenes of those who are facing the system. Your host owns a litigation support firm called Justice Technology Professionals, and he works on criminal and civil cases offering support to defendants and counsel. What you're about to hear is an open dialogue opening the minds to the public to what takes place in reality as opposed to what you think takes place ladies and gentlemen welcome to the justice tech pros podcast here's your host dominic crea hello listeners hope everybody's doing well uh i just want to say i hope all um, family, friends of mine and of, of listeners and those um, supporters that may be located in the region that's going to be impacted by this Hurricane Ian, I just wish them nothing but safety and I hope everything turns all right, turns out all right because it's a serious storm. So thoughts and prayers for, for those who are affected. Today I wanted to do a uh, another uh, freestyle type episode. I enjoy them and I got some good feedback on it. So uh, rather than just pick, you know, one topic and focus on that, as I normally do, I'll, I'll jump around a little bit because there's nothing really that I've uh, come across recently that I wanted to analyze uh, as of now. I have a few things in the works uh, that I am going to look to analyze. Uh, it has to do with uh, certain informants and uh, going through their minutes and whatnot. So I'm, I'm going to get into that. But today there's a couple things I want to talk about. Uh, one housekeeping type item that I wanted to mention was I was sent a clip from the um, Lee Cole 3 and Danny Trio podcast. Uh, They had guest Angel Gotti on, who also has a podcast, a very good podcast, does a lot of game shows, it's a fun, fun interactive podcast. But uh, when she was on the show, they actually asked her, uh, I guess people are leaving comments about we push back and saying that we push back, um, that I closed up we push back. Again, I don't know where these crazy rumors start, but Angel answered uh, uh, properly and said, basically, no, that's nonsense, which it is. Um, just to touch on that, I've said it a few times, but I don't know if people are not paying attention or maybe they're just uh, uh, trying to act as if whatever they may have did, done uh, impacted my decision. I closed up, we pushed back, which will never happen. All that was done, again, it's not as groundbreaking as people want to make it. Uh, Anytime you start something, you're building something. I've said it from day one. It's always ever-changing. You want to switch things up. So all that happened was the message is the same. The vehicle to deliver that message has been altered. So rather than being a a member-type hub, it is an informational-type hub where the public can learn about the impact lying informants have and law enforcement who supports a lot of their behavior, their criminality, their lies, it really focuses on exploring that issue, that it is a fracture that exists within the criminal justice system and brings attention to it. So We Push Back is not going anywhere. As a matter of fact, we just sponsored our first podcast. We sponsored the Mo- uh, View from Mulberry Street by Matthew Mari, his podcast. Uh, I suggest you check it out if you don't know about it. Uh, just search a view for Mulberry Street. And um, he, he played our spot this week on his episode. So that's the first podcast we sponsored. 
Uh, I, I may be sponsoring other ones. I'm going to look into that. But that's just one of the uh, tactics of just getting the word out there that's going to continue. Um, and I think that's a problem with a lot of people that may have been following when we push back. You know, it was, it was uh, the genesis of it was obviously YouTube. But it was never made for YouTube. It's just where it was. This is a uh, this is a real life movement. This takes place in real life, and my goals and objectives for it have to do with real life, have to do with the public, have to do with potential jurors. Um, it was just started on YouTube and expanded from there. But my long term goals has to do with really having a presence. Uh, it's going to have to do with partnerships with larger organizations, kind of fighting for the same type of notoriety, whereas they want exposure to certain issues affecting the criminal justice system. So there's going to be a lot of strategic angling with We Push Back to make sure that it gets the proper audience and gets as much exposure as possible, and that's really what it's about. Uh, a lot of people also, either they don't understand it or they're friends with um, the lying informants or family of the lying informants or supporters, they'll often try to completely change what we push back is and I've said it a million times but I'm just going to say it again uh, they try to make it that we push back is like this group that hates anyone who is a, a, a quote-unquote rat the slang term for an informant or a snitch anything along those lines stool pigeon whatever term you want to use couldn't be further from the truth it has nothing to do with that although my personal ideology may be one that I don't agree with informing I don't agree agree with the concept that goes against my belief system, that has nothing to do with the message. And although many, many members who support We Push Back don't like informants, that really is irrelevant to the message. The, the message has nothing to do with hating informants, hating rats, hating snitches, hating stool pigeons. It has nothing to do with that. Personal preference of maybe my belief and, and what I stand by has no bearing. The focus of We Push Back is pretty much just letting the public see and realize they're being deceived. The government's claiming a lot of these informants are now changed, now trying to do the right thing, and all they're saying is nothing but truths. And their persona is one of this humbled person who, who regrets their former life. <clears throat> we Push Back is basically just saying, well, wait a minute, folks. They're saying one thing and doing another. So we're going to bring attention to their actual behavior, the actual lies they tell. Again, whether you agree with informing or you don't, you agree with cooperating or you don't, irrelevant. At the very least, the basis, the core, if somebody is going to be an informant, they should be required to tell the truth. They shouldn't be allowed to break the law. They shouldn't be allowed to do what they're doing online, harassing people, what's going on now. Uh, abusing people, insulting family members, telling lies about people. Those things should not be allowed, and that is what we push back is about. It's bringing the spotlight around their behavior, around their true persona, not the fake one they want you to believe in the courtroom, about what they do if somebody disagrees with them. Somebody like myself, somebody like uh, any of the content creators, Angel Gotti, Kane Shades, Mob Rats Exposed, Mobland, all different Rats Inc., Mob Rats One, all different content creators who maybe put out material that says, hey, you know what? The things these guys are telling us and saying to us are lies. 
the personality that they're trying to portray is a lie. The character that they're trying to portray is a lie. That's what it's about. It's about exposing that. Now, some may use colorful language when they do it, but the but the uh, theme behind all people that support We Push Back, behind the entire uh, concept of We Push Back, is basically informants lying to avoid accountability and to shift the blame to somebody else who may be a bigger government target so that they could get off scot-free, continue to, to, to break the law, continue to tell lies, continue to deceive people, continue to blast families online, continue to harass families online, continue to tell stories about people online that are lies, that are not truth. That's unacceptable. And that's always been my goal, is bringing attention to that, and that's what I'm going to continue to do. And a lot of um, the way for me to do that is to do it the proper way, where you're showing facts, you're showing documents, you're showing statistics. I put up articles from all different sources about different statistics, money spent on the confidential informant plans. The fractures within that whole process of informants and controlling informants, how it's fractured and there's a problem with it. There's no checks and balances. On the website, there's going to be um, what I want to do, like my, my goal for the website and the YouTube channel is to have them work in tandem with one another, whereas the website will be the informational aspect. And the channel will also have information, but it will be more interactive. In other words, if I put a transcript on the website, I'm going to do an episode where I have a, um, a voiceover actor read the actual transcript so it puts the listener in the courtroom so they understand what took place. They understand the cross-examination. They understand maybe things that came up about the um, informant's character during trial or if the informant was caught lying during trial. It just creates more of a dynamic where the listener is more engaged rather than just reading the document. They'll be able to hear it and... Um, I think it just makes it a little more entertaining and doesn't make it so monotonous when you break it up like that. So there'll be that's going to go on heavily. I've actually requested. I emailed a lot of um, attorneys that I may have a relationship with, and I had them. I asked them to send me any minutes from any hearings they were involved with, any trials where an informant took the stand. I want to put all those minutes together on the website under each informant. Um, as you know, I've been populating the article section with the informants where it's separated per informant, each article. I'm also going to um, include 5K1 letters for the informants. I did an episode on the 5K1 letter. Basically, 5K1 letters like a rave review that the government gives the informant, so when they go for their sentencing, the judge goes easy on them. And as we know, they try to minimize those, those, the uh, impact of the 5K1 letter in court, but as we know, those mean a lot and they hold a lot of weight. And nine out of ten times, the judge will give the uh, informant a slap on the wrist based on that letter. So being an, an informational hub, uh, I just took a sip of my soda. Uh, being an informational hub, in my opinion, is really going to make We Push Back stand out because it's going to just be information. It's going to be knowledge for the public to digest and understand. And I believe in turn that's going to help create more educated jurors, more well-prepared jurors. Um, and that's what it's all about. My, my podcast, the We Push Back, the overall theme is educating the public and making them aware of things. That's all, that's all it is, just making them aware of certain things so that they understand both sides 
of different stories, both elements about roles within the court. That's what it's about because now, especially with the influx of these informants starting podcasts and wanting to be YouTube famous, they're changing history, they're changing personas, they're changing behaviors, they're lying, they're telling stories that never happened, they're lying about legitimate people. For example, when I had Bill Fenton on, on uh, my episode on Justice Tech Pro's podcast, uh, I believe it was 90-something, I may be off, but the Bill Fenton episode, it's also on the We Push Back website. That's what We Push Back needs to really focus on, being a voice for those who are getting lied upon. And a big project I'm putting together, but it's going to take a lot of time, is I'm doing a, a giant compilation uh, project, whereas... All of these informants podcasts, I'm going to be taking segments from all the different informants whenever they lied about somebody, abused somebody, made fun of somebody, uh, nasty comments they make in different formats, all the comments will be there, Uh, uh, degenerate, harassing people, abusing people, cursing at people, all of those things to spotlight their behavior, the lies, the change in stories and the patterns. I want to do a compilation series of all these different informants because I believe that's going to have a huge impact. And I already know we push back is, is the word is getting out. I've had attorneys that I never knew contact me um, for some information on some cases they may be working on where maybe or clients where there's a potential indictment down the road and they want some background information on certain informants, things like that. So people are understanding it's a valuable resource and that is what I want to have happen, and that's what I'm happy to say is happening. I continue to get positive feedback from those impacted. I'm doing my damnedest to get a lot of those that are impacted on episodes, because for me, that's what it's about. That's where you get uh, the true story, where at least you're having both sides, and then the listener could understand both sides and decide where they where they lie, as far as where they want to conclude, who's telling the truth, who's not. Um... I want to get those that are really impacted by that. I'm working on one in particular um, that I hope happens because this one was involved in an informant, um, a more recent informant, and it had to do with domestic abuse, and I want, I want to talk about that. So there's a few I'm working on. Some people, which I totally get, and rightfully so, are uncomfortable because look what happens. Um, when somebody does come up and speak out, they get attacked, Right. If anybody talks back against the informants or says they don't agree, they get abused, they get harassed and all that. You know, that's all they got. And you have to realize they have the government protecting them. They're allowed to do those things. And the government just turns a a blind eye. That's just how it goes. Anything they do is no problem, but anything somebody else does that impacts them is a problem. I've said it from my first episode. If I came on here and conducted myself in the manner that they conduct themselves, where they're threatening people, abusing people, harassing people, I would have a big problem. They don't. And that's why it's important that I spotlight that. And that's why it's important for the public to realize there shouldn't be a separate set of rules just because they're an informant and just because they helped them get somebody that was a target. That's really one of the the underlining main themes of what I'm trying to accomplish here. The public needs to see that there's two sets of standards with certain things as it relates to the uh, justice system. Now, I know people try to say this is another narrative of those against uh, what I'm doing. Uh, A lot of them will say, oh, he's trying to free bad guys. Again, moronic statement for the ignorant 
and for the unintelligent. That's what that thought is. This has nothing to do with freeing bad guys. This has to do with making sure or trying to contribute in my small way, whereas I could make things, uh, give things the proper exposure so the public understands trials, proceedings are not playing out the way that they were supposed to play out, as is outlined by the law, by the Constitution. It's a matter of just exposing the fact that although it may say these things in the textbook that, yes, this is supposed to take place, this is what's supposed to happen, these are the rights people have, well, I'm trying to show that it sounds great and it reads great, but that's not reality, and this is why it's not reality, and bring attention to that. It has nothing to do with bad guys. It has to do with the fact that if somebody's charged with a crime, regardless of what you think of the person, they should at least be facing a crime that they actually committed based on facts and evidence, not based on rumors, hearsay, and reputation. That's all it is in the most simplistic form. If you're going to charge somebody, charge them for what they actually did. Don't discharge them because you feel they're a quote-unquote bad guy and you want them to go to jail. That's not how the law works, and anybody should be concerned about that because let's just say you happen to be on the, the wrong side of uh, a law enforcement person's... Uh, opinion, whereas they don't think you're a good person. They shouldn't have the ability to manufacture a case to jam you up. That should not be allowed. And this isn't just about organized crime. There's all different types of targets. You know, we've seen that special uh, Making a Murderer. They showed an example of that on Netflix. Uh, I've done an episode about um, a gentleman. uh, I had Jace Bryden on, I believe, when we spoke about um, the same type of thing. A person was a target. It was a small town, and they just happened to be a target. The cops didn't like a person for one reason or whatever it may be. There's a lot of examples of that of somebody being targeted. It has nothing to do with high-profile cases um, and only related to those type of cases or only related to organized crime cases. It has nothing to do with that. It has to do with when somebody's a target, they should be targeted in a fair way. If you're going to target that person, at least give them the right to a fair trial. At least have them have a due process play out. You can't just target people and set them up because you don't like them. And that's that's really the basis of this. That's the basis of what I'm trying to convey. It's all about just making sure the system works as it was designed to work. And a lot of people have a problem with that. We get it all the time. I mean, look at it this way. I created We Push Back. Those who were against it actually, <laughs> actually created like a... Uh, an opposing movement with a similar uh, name, might I add, uh, whereas the tr- and and that's the result. They created the opposing movement because they didn't like what their informant friends were being subjected to. They only liked it being one-sided, where these informants were allowed to go on their podcast, ridicule family members, ridicule defendants, tell up lies. That was acceptable, but the second there was a little pushback to that narrative. That's where now this movement came into place. And and the funny part is they try to paint it under the guise of like an anti-bullying movement. I think that's their goal. <laughs> Meanwhile, all anybody has to do is play the members' content of that movement. That's it. Don't do anything else. Just go play the members' content and then you tell me they're anti-bullying. <laughs> it's, 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 it's crazy. But listen, that's none of my business. Uh, let them go nuts with that movement. I just found it funny. Because um, one thing I did notice is how sensitive 
these informants are, folks. When you think about it, they're very sensitive people. Just from based on what I'm doing, I had some clown go on his podcast and threaten me. Um, I had that John Aletto clown talking tough. I had that Jimmy Calamandra, Calandra clown. He, he was talking tough and threatening me. This And now, all their little uh, podcasts that follow them, all their supporters, the clip channels, all, all those that do similar content to these informants, because if you notice, the clip channels and all that, it's pretty much the same type theme. The clip channels are putting up all the, all the uh, stories about these supposed organized crime figures, and now you have the informants telling these stories because they're supposedly in the know. So they go hand in hand. So they all got kind of in an uproar, and that's the result. You know, they, they look to attack, and they look to um, make up lies about what the uh, goals of We Pushback is. And I just felt that that actually had a lot to do with why I switched gears a little about how We, we Pushback was going, because I wanted to make sure that the message was not getting lost. And I wanted to make sure that the content is focused solely on the cause, and it doesn't get distracted by other items. Because when you have members, people want to talk about their stuff, talk about things that are important to them, and it's not fair to tie them down or kind of restrict them. This way, everybody who, who believes in it could be a supporter. Everybody could still support one another and kind of do their own thing. And I keep focusing on the we push back aspect and why I want to be on YouTube, why I want to have a podcast and the material I want to put, put out there. And those who continue to support it, continue to support it. Those who don't, don't. It's not a big deal. I just think it's a better flow for everybody. I think it creates a better dynamic as well. And then you don't got to worry about um, personality conflicts. If somebody has somebody on a show you don't like, you don't agree with, none of that, you don't got to worry about that anymore. Now it just could be, all right, you're a supporter, you like the concept, great. And it's and it's on the material. It's not on the, uh, the focus isn't on the members. Even though I, I told everybody it wasn't about the members, I understand that that's hard to separate. So now this just eliminates any member. I'm not a member, there's no members. I'm not a member of We Push Back. There's no such thing. It's just... I run it, I came up with it, but I'm not a member. I just created the website, created the hub, and I'm gonna populate it with the information. And I, the ability I have now, which I like, is I'm able to pull any kind of content from any provider, whereas the show may be a good representative of what we push back is all about. So let's just say there's a content creator that maybe I don't like a lot of their shows, but if they put out an episode that I feel is, um, is uh, positive and is one that's informative and kind of goes to the overall theme, I can include that on the website. I don't have to, uh, I could just kind of pick and choose because what happens sometimes, as we know, you get a content creator, they may do one good episode and then everybody looks, oh, this guy's great, everything he says is great, and then they'll do a following episode and it's complete opposite. So <laughs> this way you don't got to tie to anybody. You know, I, I don't have to say, oh, I like this content creator. And then who knows, three weeks down the road, they do something that I wish I didn't say I like the content creator. You know what I mean? Now I could just take the episode because I liked that individual episode. It has nothing to do with the content creator. I just like that episode and I put it up. Now, a lot of the episodes on the uh, We Push Back channel, I happen to like the content creators that I put up so far. But who knows down the road, I may come across other episodes that I could use, whereas maybe the channel isn't really one I support, but the content that they did for that episode is one that I do support and one that I believe in. You understand what I mean? It's kind of just separating those two things and making it 
a spotlight more on the material rather than on the whole channel overall. And that was maybe um, one of the things I didn't kind of foresee uh, with with We Push Back. You know, unfortunately, we've seen like one or two members who they started out saying one thing, they loved We Push Back, they loved the concept, and then a couple weeks later, they're hanging out with informants and their supporters, so you could tell they really didn't believe it. So that um, that prevents that, you know, prevents me from actually making any mistakes and maybe believing uh, somebody on face value for what they're telling me, which isn't accurate. Which I don't really do in real life, but on YouTube, you gotta, it's a little different social media. Sometimes you gotta take risks where you're not comfortable with it, but it's just because of the platform you're working in. You can't vet things. And this will eliminate all that. So again, overall, it was the right move. It was the smart move. And I'm going to be able to do a lot more for it. Um, I'm going to push a lot more now for the promotion of it. Uh, I, I talked about the billboard. And believe it or not, it's not that easy to get the billboard. I want to get it at the Westchester County Center. And it's just not that easy. A lot of people have them already... Uh, booked up, so I'm waiting for an opening, but I just really like the county center, it gets the most exposure in Westchester, uh, it does a lot of events, so I really, uh, I really want to try to get that there, and um, as far as marketing and promotion, I'm doing the hats, I explained, I don't know if you guys, whoever didn't see it, but on the community page, I explained that um, originally I was going to do the, lat, the hats with the logo on it, but when you convert an image to an embroidery, a lot of times if it's too detailed, it gets lost and you can't really tell. And I didn't like the way the uh, logo looked once an embroidery was done. So I made it, I switched things up. I just put that, I'm going to make the hat say hashtag we push back on the front and on the back just the website. Because the goal is just getting them to the website. I just want a, a nice plain looking hat that just spreads the word. That's all, it spreads awareness. That's the only purpose. And then when I do t-shirts again, I could put the new logo on it. You know, I, I updated the... Um, the image, so that'll be cool on on, uh, on the new t-shirts, and I'll announce all that, and little by little, different things will come up, I may sponsor another podcast, I don't know, I gotta see what, you know, how things play out, another thing I wanted to touch on is, um, as I've stated for the case of the United States versus Matthew Madonna, Stephen Crea, Terrence Caldwell, and Christopher Londonio, our appeal date is coming up, and, um, you know, when you start really putting stuff in with the appeal and you start just kind of putting everything together, that's where you start to see if you have a strong one or not so strong. And I got to say, the more we, we, we put in and we put together, we have a very, very strong appeal. And what's so important, that helps the appeal, especially when there's constitutional errors. Like if you have an example, which we had, of somebody lying on the grand jury, you want to really show cases where an appeal was won based on a witness or some kind of infraction, some kind of error, a serious error, taking place at the grand jury level. That's a really important constitutional issue because if there's an error in the grand jury, there's an error with the entire indictment. So a lot of cases were completely dismissed based on uh, grand jury errors. When they happen, it's really a strong issue, and we have that issue in, in a variety of ways where we're going to... I can't go into too much, but we're going to show where lying took place at the grand jury level. And not only show that it took place, but the lie continued after the grand jury level based on these informants going on podcasts and showing that they stuck to their lies. And that's what's really important. When you're doing these appeals, folks, you really want to, from my experience, 
Again, I'm not a lawyer. I work with the lawyers and I support them. So I have a good idea of what they need when I'm gathering their information. And um, uh, one of the key points you want to drive home is support whatever, whatever argument you're trying to make with the case law. So when you're able to back that up with cases, whereas the appellate court threw cases out based on somebody, a witness lying at the grand jury level, an informant lying on the grand jury level, and then you have that exact issue, it helps your case tremendously. So when I, when I say we have a strong case, I'm not just saying it uh, to, to bolster or put on a facade. If it wasn't that strong, I would say, okay, we have some uh, appeal issues and we're going to fight it and we're going to go for the appeal. This is a little different. I was speaking to a seasoned appellate lawyer today who we brought in for a consultation and his exact words to me were, um, this is the kind of appeal case that appellate lawyers dream of. Uh, so that, that gave me a little bit of solace and I felt good about hearing that. Now, obviously, there's still a lot to be done. There's a lot to be done, but the date's coming up and we'll be prepared. And uh, my only advice, I wanted to talk about this a little really for anybody who may be going to, appe uh, to the appellate level and you may be putting in an appeal, you really want to hone in on that legal research, uh, whether you get a firm to do it for you, or you have access to Westlaw, Lexis. Um, obviously, I'm not saying this for the attorneys. They know this. I'm talking to the defendants now or the families. You really just want to focus on that legal research. You want to focus on those case laws, and you want to try to get the case law uh, that may mirror your argument as closely as possible because the, the, the closer the connection the easier it will be for the judges to see the correlation and improve your argument. So people, uh, people don't understand how important that legal research is and those prior citations and that case law is, but it's, it could be the difference between freedom and uh, not. So it's just uh, one thing that this process has taught me, even with my firm, is how, how you really have to focus on that. You have to devote the time and you can't miss things. You gotta check the different resources. You gotta check Westlaw. You gotta check Lexis. You gotta check all the different resources you have. And even ones that maybe people don't know about that my firm uses a lot. There's certain sites that aren't as well known where you could also do a lot of uh, formidable legal research. Just as much as you can to pad it. So you make sure you're making a solid argument that can't be uh, shoot away. You wanna have meat to that argument. And those case laws always always gives you the meat. Uh, another important aspect, this has nothing to do with appeal, just something that uh, I've been working on kind of like a separate project where um, I was pulling, uh, and I even made a post about it, I got a court runner to pull some court documents on a project I'm working on uh, for myself. What I'm going to do with that project, I don't know yet. I'm kind of just waiting to see what this individual does, uh, you know, how far this person wants to go. But, one thing you have to understand, people, when, you, when you're fighting a case, or say you want to know about a case, or you want to understand uh, the details of a case, you never really know what you're dealing with until you get that documentation. That's why it's so important if you're, um, I, I want to equate it to something you could utilize. If you're a defendant, or your family, or you're part of the defense team, Court runners are so important. It's getting somebody on the ground to go get those documents. Um, so if, if a witness got into trouble before or if somebody that, that you're trying to um, find out about, you're trying to do some investigative information about, 
you want to find out the details of the case, you can't really get it all just from their charges, just from what you pull online. You want to get those case files. You want to get the police records. Because in the police records, you're going to have names of witnesses that may have been involved. Or if uh, somebody, uh, something I'm looking at now, a person was harassed. This individual was charged with harassment. So this tells me who was harassed, what happened. So say you want to go further, you want to talk to those affected. When you get the case, whatever's public record, when you go to the courthouse and you go to the police precinct and you get that or you do a Freedom of Information Act filing, you really want to weed through it when you're trying to come up with your strategy. You want to see what you're dealing with. And, I, and I'm bringing up this example to correlate it to those who may be faced with a, uh, uh, a lying informant that may be testifying. And that lying informant may have gotten in trouble prior. You want to take the time to go to those different local courthouses or wherever they may have gotten in trouble, whether, wherever they may have had a case. And you want to spend the time and the money and really pull those records, get copies of every piece of paper, because there could be documents in there that are very important. And it also paints character. That's what's important that people don't realize. And that's what's funny about YouTube. I noticed one thing about YouTube. You have a lot of people judging others, you know, saying, oh, especially with me, oh, he's a gangster's son, he's this and that. And then when you look at their history, when you look at what they've done in their life, and you start diving in, that has to do with the project I'm working on on myself. I just want to see the people who are looking to attack me. I want to see what they're made of. I want to see what they're all about. What have they accomplished? I know what I've accomplished. I know what I do. I know who I deal with every day. I know what my clients think of me, my employees think of me, my family, my friends. So I'm pretty confident in my mark on the world. So when you want to see what, well, look at this person. They're really coming at me. They're, they're saying all these things. I want to know what they're about. I tell you, for everybody getting attacked by somebody on the internet, I don't know. You may want to look into them just to make yourself feel better. <laughs> because honestly, when you start pulling their information and you see what they've done, and what the things they've been charged with and the records they have, man, you just, it, it makes you feel good because you're like, wow, that's who's abusing me? Okay, that makes sense. That's the type of person that should be abusing me. I said that on my last episode. People of that caliber should never have anything nice to say about me, especially when you start seeing things they've done in their life. Who stalked somebody? Who harassed somebody? Who owes child support? Who who uh, was charged with domestic assault on a woman who was then uh, charged with uh, I mean anything think about it it's just really a lot of obviously uh, substance abuse uh, driving while intoxicated with the kid in the car I mean you really start looking into people who are casting throwing stones you'll start to feel a lot better about about it because you're going to say well wait a minute look who's the one abusing me what do I care look at this type of person Look at this, you know, level of person this is. It shouldn't even mean anything. And that kind of helps you put things in perspective, you know. Um, If somebody wants to make accusations about you, somebody wants to say things, okay, that's fine. Uh, You may get aggravated by it or whatever. Me, personally, I really don't. It doesn't matter that much. But I understand people who do. I get it. Trust me, I get it. Um, But my advice for that, start looking into them. And again, not to, for me anyway, it's not to do anything with it. Uh, I'm just, I'm not a sewer. It's not my thing, you know, so I'm not going to do that. Uh, I'm not going to report anything. It's just not my thing. Again, what I'm telling you is for, uh, at least my style, it's for your own knowledge and it's to protect yourself. 
And what I mean by protect yourself is this. If somebody wants to accuse you of stuff, somebody wants to say things about your character, yes, 100%, they're open for lawsuits, uh, they're open for defamation, all that stuff. I told you the story with my partner. He was, <laughs> he was all banged up that somebody said something about me. Uh, they made a remark about my business, and, you know, we're partners in another business, so he took offense to that, and he was he was all fired up. My, my whole philosophy in getting the, the information, the background on different individuals is more to protect yourself. You want to show a pattern. So if somebody comes to you and say, hey, why is this guy saying all this stuff about you? You could give an explanation. Say, well, you want to know what type of character you're dealing with? You want to know what type of person this individual is? And I had to do that. I had to do that a few times. I had a few people email me, why is this one saying this about you? And I said, okay, well, you know, that's their character. They have a right to say that. But this is what they're made of. And to me, somebody who has, who's done those type of things and um, harassed people, stalked people, faked suicide, all this crazy stuff, uh, is obviously not a stable person. So you can't really account for somebody who's not stable and what they're going to say. And once you show that, they get a better perspective and a better understanding of what they're dealing with as well. And you kind of just show that the words of individuals with no credibility or with such a low moral compass, it doesn't amount to, amount to much in the real world. Now, on social media, that's different. Social media is the cesspool of low morals, poor behavior, and nasty, outright... <laughs> Actions. That's social media. So on there, you know, it means stuff because you have like-minded, mentally unstable people all congregating, supporting each other, and talking crazy, you know. Um, That's just social media. That's how it goes. You have the conspiracy sites. You got the mob genre sites. You got the flat earth sites. All these crazy things, right? And all people converge based on the like-mindedness. So it's important... If you're a professional, if you've accomplished things in your life, if you have clients, if you have employees, if you have co-workers, if you have employers that rely on you and they know who you are, it's important that if somebody is trying to mark your name or tell lies, it's important to compile a file for yourself about everything you can about this individual. So if and when it ever arises or somebody questions you about it, you could show them exactly who they are. And that's the key for me anyway. They could tell as much lies as they want about me. That's fine. I don't care about that. Say whatever you want. Say, you know, you're going to abuse my family. You're going to, that's fine. That's all you got. That's fine. But I know who you are. I know what you did. Not what your family did. Not what you're trying to tie things. Your behavior. And if you notice, there's a lot of shifting on here. Uh, You'll get some content creators who just are not good people. They've not, they have not done good things in their life. Uh, They've done bad things in their life. And they'll look to attack another content creator because perhaps that content creator had somebody in their family that they feel was a bad person. Think about the, the philosophy behind that. They can't attack the person directly because there's nothing there to attack. So what do they got to do? They got to try to pull family members out of uh, the woodwork to try to uh, dirty up their name and say, well, we think this person's a bad person, so then you're a bad person. That's what they try to do. They want to do ancestry on everybody. But it's funny because 
I notice when people are, are refuting their claims, they're fighting directly with that person and calling out their behavior, not the behavior of their family, not the behavior of their long lost uncle. They're calling out their direct behavior. And what does that person do? If their behavior is uh, uh, questioned, well, they'll bring up somebody's family member. So, well, your family member's this, you know? <laughs> but to me, that's important. That shows the argument falls flat on its face. And that's why I recommend people, there's a lot of services out there. Um, court runners are easy to find. I posted an ad, I find them right away. I have a, uh, an internal person, but um, he's actually going through something right now, so I had to outsource this last project. But you can find court runners very easily. So if you're interested in finding about somebody, you want to prepare a file on them because you want to be able to answer someday if your character is called into question based on the accusations made by this person, you have to protect yourself. Have that file, keep it. Hopefully you never need to use it. Maybe you never need to use it, but it can't hurt to have it for yourself. Always protect yourself. And those are the tips I try to give people on here. It's about just protecting yourself from certain things even you know, in the justice system. That's what I try to bring to everybody's attention. Things to look out for. Things that I wasn't aware of. And then as I started getting involved and gaining experience, I realized, okay, I made a mistake. Let me not do it that way. And that's what I try to, to give out. That's the information I try to talk upon. And that's what I try to share with the audience. And it also, you know, getting those files and understanding certain people who may be attacking you or harassing you or stalking you, understanding them is important because... When the time may come where you do have a confrontation or you have a debate and you're talking about something, they could make all the lies up they want. They could say, oh, well, you did this. Or like for me, for example, people are saying, oh, you're paying trolls. Okay, you could say that, but prove it because I'll be able to prove about you what I'm saying. I'll be able to tell you, well, you're a degenerate. You were stalking. You were harassing. You were involved in domestic violence. You were involved in drugs, whatever it may be. My point is I'll have the supporting documents to say this is what you did. What you're saying I did, where's the proof? Where's the documents? And I just use the paying trolls as an example. But you understand my point. Whatever they accuse you of, if it's a lie and you know it's BS, you'll be able to prove your points. They won't even be able to prove theirs. So if I'm saying, yeah, you were charged with domestic violence, domestic abuse, domestic assault, you were charged with it. And then... That's why it's important to get the actual case documents and the police documents, the police files, and the Freedom of Information Act files. Because that's going to tell you who maybe a victim was, uh, why, why, weren't they, uh, um, why it didn't go to the next level, or why it was dismissed. That'll give you all the answers you need as you go through those files. If somebody was accused of harassing or stalking, it'll tell you who they were harassing, who they were stalking, how. That's where you're going to get the details. The online stuff doesn't really give you the details. You know, it just gives you the, the disposition, what took place, the case information. So those type of things are important. Um, even with my firm, a lot of times we get hired for those type of things just to build case files on maybe a witness or uh, an informant or uh, regardless what it may be, you know, if we're involved in a... Uh, a civil case, maybe for just to prove, to prove your suit, whatever it may be, they come to us to really a lot. Some of the times to build the case, to pad it, to send the court runners, and that's why it's uh, it's just important to have it. As I said, even if you don't use it, it's important to have that. You want to know everything you can about 
somebody that may be trying to tarnish your name, somebody that's spreading lies about you. You want to know as much as you can. And here's the other secret, folks, that people don't do on here. You got to stop telling people you, your plans if you plan on doing something with it. or you Just don't talk about it. Just do it. Everything I'm preparing or I'm doing, I'm just going to do it when the time comes. I'm not going to talk about it. I'm not going to uh, elaborate. I, I'm just going to do it. You don't ever want anybody knowing your move. Always try to keep that close to your chest. Got tongue tied. Always keep that close to your chest. Just a good, good rule of thumb. Don't, don't ever let anybody know your intentions or know your strategy, or know your next move. Only let them know what you want them to know. And, and this way, it'll throw them off if they are trying to attack you, defame you, insult you. You'll be able to be one step ahead of them because they're showing all their cards. They're showing everything they're doing. And you're quietly putting things in order, getting things prepared for when it's your time to shine or for when it's your time to respond. So that's, that's my advice on that. It's similar to, you know, preparing for court, right? You don't want to tell the prosecution everything you're going to be doing at trial. You don't want to tell them the questions you're going to be asking. Same type of thing. You just want to kind of keep that in your head. Certain things you want to keep quiet and just let them do what you're doing. Let them play out. And then when you're ready to, to respond in the way that you want to respond to, that's how you respond. And that's really what it is for me because I'm handcuffed in a lot of ways based on my beliefs. And, um, you know, it's one thing I actually talk about with my friends a lot. When you have certain beliefs... You're always going to be behind the eight ball with certain things because let's just say, like, for example, I'm not really, uh, I don't sue people. I'm not into that. So I'm going to be behind the eight ball. People are going to be able to say certain things and slander. So I have to come up with an alternative way to fight back that doesn't kind of impact my personal beliefs. And don't misunderstand me, people. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with suing people. I'm not saying that at all. There's a lot of need for it. I've, you know, I, I know plenty of people that are sued for legitimate uh, needs and you know God forbid somebody getting hurt somebody getting injured somebody getting crippled I see it and I'm sure who knows I may have a different opinion on it depending on the situation I don't know as of now just the way I'm in life it's really just not my thing I'm just not comfortable with it but I'm not bashing anybody who does it uh, not at all please don't misunderstand me we all have different beliefs a lot of people think my beliefs are friggin' insane and crazy, but I don't care. That's just, <laughs> I mean, the same way I don't knock people for their beliefs. It's, we're all different, right? We all believe different things. But when you're handcuffed a little bit by beliefs, uh, you got to alter things. So I try to get my satisfaction the best way I can, the most professional way I can, the most systematic way I can, and the most effective. And that's what the key is. It's got to be effective. And the things I was laying out before, to me, that's most effective. And I know it's effective because I've had certain instances where people emailed my office and say, oh, Mr. Korea, this guy's sending emails to people. He's saying this, this, and that. And then I would just shine the light and say, well, this is the person you're dealing with. This is their character. And then you tell me what the issue is. And every time they came back and said, well, there is no issue. <laughs> we know what we're dealing with. And that's what I mean by having it available. So if you have to protect your name, you have to show somebody what they're all about. That's why it's important. Because you can't stop people from coming on here and talking their trash. They're going to do that. They're going to, you know, they want the views. They want the drama as far as relates to YouTube or podcast. They want that. So if you happen to be the topic of that drama, there's ways of preparing for that. You know, and there's ways of, of counteracting that. Uh, that maybe you're a little bit outside the box and maybe people don't think of, so that's why I try to share that. 
because those those are some of my tactics and some of the things I do to prepare for um, the oppositional impact, the oppositional force I may be up against. So I, I, I find that just helps me navigate it and helps me answer it if I am ever questioned about certain things. Um, so I wanted to just share that a little bit. I got a couple guests in the future. Uh, I've been talking with uh, a couple of attorneys I'm going to have on. One gentleman in particular, we were actually talking today, and he was filling me in on some of the uh, things that took place with Anthony Casso, who was a, uh, an informant, and how the government didn't like a lot of the things he was saying, and so they kind of uh, changed things up as far as their agreement with him, because what happened was he was saying certain things where he was talking about um, agents, corrupt agents. And from what I understand, we're going to talk about it in more detail, but from what I understand, one of the corrupt agents he was uh, talking about was actually friends of one of the agents that was debriefing him. So when he started talking about this corrupt agent, it, it caused a lot of problems and they kind of shifted gears to start uh, going after his credibility. And it's just, we're going to have an in-depth conversation about that because the reason I found that interesting is it just goes to the fact that the system of informants and law enforcement is fractured because if an informant is telling the truth, let's just say about something, but it doesn't fall into the narrative or he's talking about corrupt agents and now they're shielding those corrupt agents or they're changing the facts, that's a huge problem, huge problem. So we're going to dive into that. I think that'll be an interesting episode because he's pretty uh, well-versed in that. And um, I think it'll be eye-opening just for the public to understand that they may start off with an informant. And they're saying, you know, the government big, all oh, this informant's great. He's telling us all these truths. Everything he says is, is, is fact as long as it lines up with their narrative. But if he starts telling them information that they don't want to hear about their buddies or about certain things, <laughs> then the whole thing changes. How they treat them, it all changes. So I think that'll be an eye-opening episode. And those, again, are all the things I want to kind of focus on. Everything that I feel could be interesting as well as informative because I do try to keep it interesting and engaging. Um, I, I don't like to just be all monotone and read this and read that. Who the heck wants to listen to that? You want to be a little engaging. You want to have uh, different pitches in your volume, <laughs> different tones when you're discussing things. I think that creates a more dynamic atmosphere, and, and I think the listeners uh, uh, could relate to that. So I'm going to keep that style going. Um, I, again, got, got a lot of things planned, and it's just episode by episode I'm going to take it. Uh, unfortunately, now, next few months, I'm not going to have much time to do uh, as episodes as frequently as I did in the past. I got a few assignments that came my way uh, in addition to my businesses, and also uh, going to be working on the appeal uh, that we're working on, so... I have a lot of my time uh, spent on that, so I don't know how often I'll be able to get podcasts. But as they, you know, as things come up that I want to talk about, I may do a podcast once we submit the appeal, just to really talk about it and talk about the issues and talk about some of the case law and things like that. So I may do a spotlight just about the appeal itself and the brief that went in. And then talk about that process, you know. You put it in, then the government has to respond, then they may call an oral, oral argument. So that, that too is a process that we're coming upon. So I may talk about that as much in real time as I can. Um, I want to try to get on uh, Mob Rats Exposed. 
uh, we, we've been trying to just do a little show together, but I just haven't had the time. But uh, we're gonna we're gonna uh, put something together because I, I do want to talk in more detail about the direction we push back, and uh, uh, him and I can have a good conversation about that and just kick things around on that level. So look 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 for that upcoming episode. And I think that's it for today, folks. Hope you enjoyed today's episode. Till next time. You've been listening to the Justice Tech Pros podcast with Dominic Crea, one of the most unique podcasts on the internet, discussing the obstacles the defense team faces when trying a case, what goes on behind the scenes during pretrial and motion phase, holding defense attorneys accountable, making sure they're fighting for their clients, the difference between textbook law and how things truly play out in a courtroom, and everything in between. And everything in between. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show and we'll be back soon until then find us on twitter facebook and instagram at justice tech pros to email the show with questions and comments it's podcast at justicetechpros.com till next time this is justice tech pros podcast and dominic crea signing off <laughs>